0: Well, good evening. It is great to be able to look into the Word of God with you all this evening. And uh, so far this week, we've really had some lessons on relationships, uh, specifically from the Apostle Paul. We've looked at Barnabas, his relationship of encouragement with him, with Silas, with John Mark, the Philippian church. Um, And really, it's been like a crash course, right? Really looking at how God used this man in Uh, These people's lives and how God actually used them in his life. And so this evening, we're going to turn to one more relationship. And it's an appropriate one for me to cover because uh, I was named after one of the men. And that is Paul and his relationship with Timothy. So as we start out and turn to scripture this morning, I'd really like us to condition our hearts to really let God's spirit really dwell in us and in my own speech to really let him have control and you know some of the things we look at in the next 20 or 30 minutes God wants to so work in our hearts that that we leave changed that we leave and we're ready to act on them we're ready to take God's word that's for us right right now and say yes I'm ready to immediately obey that So we're going to start out with a word of prayer and just ask God's Spirit to to do that work in our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that we are weak. We thank you that we are are worthless because we get to rely on your strength. We ask that you would really make much of yourself this evening and uh, that you would help us to see uh, ways that we have not been giving over lordship of our lives to you. We ask that your spirit would be at work in every heart here and that you would give us a real desire to be doers and not just hearers. And so we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'd like to ask you to turn to the book of 1 Timothy this evening. Book of 1 Timothy. We're going to be doing some Kind of hopping around, but I have a lot of the the references, or actually most of the references, on the screen. So um, we'll start in 1 Timothy chapter 1. But here's the question I would like us to consider this evening. The question is this What would it look like for you to be a disciple making Christian today? (laughs) What would it look like for you or I to be a disciple making Christian today? A few years ago, I approached an older gentleman in our home church because I had never had anyone really take me under their wing, get together with me regularly, share God's word, and be an accountability partner in that way even. And, you know, the, the time I spent meeting with that fellow believer, that older believer, really did a number of things for me. It, it showed me, first of all, we were looking, reading through a book And it showed me things that I had never thought of before. Uh, It encouraged me as I was able to just talk with this gentleman who not just talked about what it was like to follow Christ, but actually lived it out uh, with his family. And it really gave me this example to follow. And and I'm so thankful that God enabled me to, to know that man and to learn from him. But, you know, this evening... God's Spirit is actually going to show us through His Word as we walk through some of these passages and examples from Paul that actually discipleship is something for all of us. It isn't just for the youngest people or the people that maybe don't have any knowledge of Scripture, right? But actually, discipleship is something that each one of us needs and should be doing ourselves. And so you're in 1 Timothy chapter 1, and I want to start by just noticing Um, a few things that Paul actually says about his relationship with Timothy, okay? So 1 Timothy 1, I'm just going to read verses 1 and the first part of verse 2. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope, to Timothy, a true son in the faith. So here's how Paul views Timothy. He sees him as his son in the faith. Uh, and Paul says the same thing. You can look at the screen in uh, 2 Timothy, in the very beginning there. He says, to Timothy, a beloved son. And then 1 Thessalonians 3, 2, I'll, I'll go through two more passages. He says, to the Thessalonian, Thessalon, believers in Thessalonica, that they sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you, and encourage you concerning your faith. So he's a brother, he's a minister of God, a fellow laborer of Paul's. And then Philippians 2. Here Paul says, uh, look at just verse 20. He says, I have no one like minded who will sincerely care for your state. In verse 22, but you know his proven character that as a son with his father he served me in the gospel. So it's obvious, right, after seeing some of these passages that, that Paul had a unique bond with Timothy. There was something special that was going on here. He's calling him his son, his beloved son. Um, he's calling him his fellow laborer, minister of the gospel. So what was it, what was it that really caused Paul to be able to say this stuff about Timothy. Why is he bringing up all these really even terms of endearment about this this young man? Well, I'd like us to turn now to Acts chapter 16. um, And we're going to see the first time that actually Paul meets Timothy. The first thing we we hear about Timothy uh, in the scriptures, Acts chapter 16. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 for you. Says then, Paul came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who are at Lystra and Iconium, and Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him, because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. So. What caused Paul to take note of Timothy? Well, you can see in verse 2, Timothy is well spoken of by these brethren. He's somebody that actually stands out in the fact that he has this relationship with Christ. He's, he's a genuine believer, in other words, right? And this is the exact kind of person that, that Paul wants to single out and say, I want to take that man, Timothy, and really do life with him really encourage him as he has his walk with Christ. And so in really in God's sovereign plan, right, God puts this burden on Paul to take Timothy with him, to care for him in this special way. And you've got a handout in your, in your bulletin, and we're going to be working through that. But we're going to do it kind of more, almost uh, inductively. So we're going to look at some passages and, and then kind of give the bullet points after the passage, so that we can really see what this says for ourselves and really learn from Paul's example here. Here's a a man, Paul, who has this special bond, this special relationship with Timothy, and the Spirit of God is going to show us what that looked like in his life. And we're going to be able to learn from that and, Lord willing, emulate it, right? Do that ourselves. So. Um, I'll go ahead and, and put on the screen here our passage. But remember the question that we're trying to answer. What would it look like for you to be a disciple-making Christian today? And here's God's model. He says in 2 Timothy 1, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. So Paul begins his second book to his son in the faith, Timothy, by telling him that he's, he prays for him literally every day, night and day, so multiple times a day, actually. Um, now, if somebody did that for you, there's a couple things that that's going to do for them even. Well, first of all, they're going to they're gonna constantly be thinking about you. If you really prayed for somebody every single day, multiple times a day, then they're constantly going through your mind. You're thinking about uh, maybe ways you can even help them, be an encouragement to them. Um, but then secondly, you're going to interact differently with people like that. There's a brother at our, at our home church who um, we've tried to pray for each other more regularly. And you know what? When I come to church and I see that guy, I interact differently with him because <laughs> I want to talk to him and I don't want to just be like, Hey, how's the... What was the latest sports game or, or whatever? We talk about, hey, how are you doing? You know, I was just praying for you this week. Um, it, you interact differently with them. And then thirdly, uh, you look for answers to prayer. Or at least you should if you're praying with faith, right, as, as James encourages us. You'll look for the answers. And uh, probably one of the, the best examples from history that uh, I've really been thinking a lot about Recently, as I've read his autobiography, is uh, The Life of George Mueller. Here was a man that really prayed with faith, right? If you read through his journal, uh, I know my wife sometimes gets a little bogged down because it's like, and God gave this, and God gave this, and God gave this. uh, And it's just over and over again, right? You'd almost be like, okay, we get the picture. but, But that's what God does through prayer. And that's how we should view it, right? Faith looks for answers. And here's Paul. He's got this young man. And there's a thousand things that, that he could be doing for him, right? But here's what he is intent on doing every day is praying for him. And so um, you've got there these three lessons, right? And then he has this second point, And this is in uh, back in Acts 16. I'll just, you can just look on the screen there. Um, Paul, here he says in verse 3 through 5, Paul wanted to have him go on with him. This is Timothy, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. And so the, the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. So what we see is that, that Paul prays for Timothy, right? But now here he's he's spending time with Timothy. He's taking him along with him. They're going to all these cities, all these churches. Um, And you know what happens when, when Paul takes Timothy? Timothy gets to see the real Paul, okay? He gets to see what Paul is like in normal life, in the normal disappointments, in the normal sicknesses, times of maybe even setback that Paul experiences in ministry and even in just life. He gets to see how Paul responds to annoying people, (laughs) people that get on your nerves, people that Paul had to deal with probably all the time as he's traveling from from city to city. And really, Timothy just gets to do life with Paul. That's what a disciple maker does. (laughs) They take someone and they show them Christ in their life. And to tell you the truth, that kind of of preaching is is really way more valuable in some ways than even delivering a sermon on a Sunday night because you get to see whether this person is genuine or not. You get to see really what drives them, what their heart is. Do they actually have this this walk with Christ? Um, During my, uh, I think it was after my sophomore year of college, I spent two months in Benin, West, West Africa, with a missionary couple. And I was two full months, right? We're kind of out, pretty primitive, and I was living in the spot right next to them. And I got to see every day what they did in the morning, afternoon, evening. I got to spend every time they did family devotions together, every evening together, every time that they went out ministering to people. And you know what? I really got to know Colin and Tina Ovenel. And that's what being a missionary is all about, but that's what being a disciple is all about. It's that kind of entire life, being on display, showing people this is what it means to follow Christ. And so discipleship is this kind of, this life-on-life relationship. And you know what? God is going to use this whole discipleship process not just to work in the person being discipled, right? Right? It's not just for that maybe younger person or person that God's given you a burden for. Actually, that, that iron is going to sharpen iron. He's actually going to work in your heart because, you know, you do have somebody that's looking up to you. You do have somebody that, that is really respecting your life and decisions. And so what that means is, is it's this mutual edification, as, as Romans 14 talks about. It's this, this building up of one another. And so I'll ask you now to turn to 1 Timothy 3, 1 Timothy 3. Um, and at this point, Timothy has, has been with Paul for, for different chunks of his second and third missionary journeys. But now Timothy has been stationed in Ephesus, okay? And, and he's leading this church, shepherding this flock. And Paul is, is not there, right? Because he's writing a letter to him. He's, he's far away, probably in Macedonia, uh, which is in modern day Greece. But Paul doesn't use that as an excuse to neglect this relationship. It's not out of sight, out of mind. Actually, he's going to, to be keeping up with Timothy. And in, in verse 14 15 of chapter 3, he says, These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So what we see here is um, Paul actually keeping in regular contact with Timothy. Here's the Apostle Paul, and he's concerned for his son in the faith. He wants to help him. He wants to encourage him, even though he's far away, even though he's um, doing all this other ministry, he's probably, he's definitely busy, right? He's not just sitting around, but he's praying for him. He's investing time. He's already investing time, and now he's He's being intent to to write to Timothy. And what he wants to do, right, in these verses, is he wants to equip him. He wants to to, tell him how he ought to conduct himself in the church. And I'm sure you felt maybe at at certain times that that same burden. Maybe it was uh, after you had a really encouraging time in the Word, and you just really wanted to go share it with somebody, (laughs) right? Maybe you wanted to write them on text them message or send him an email. I know my wife probably knows when I've had a, a solid devotions because I'll be texting all my friends these Bible verses or encouragements. Um, and it's because it's really out of that overflow, right? That the mouth speaks or that the, the fingers text, right? Um, and so Paul, he's keeping in contact even from a distance. He's writing to Timothy. He's trying to be an encouragement. And he's giving us, again, an example of what a Christ-like disciple-maker does. He doesn't forget his mentee or his disciple. He, Even miles and miles apart, even months and months apart, he's keeping in contact. And this is exactly what Jesus said would be the case, or what would be on display when that's our relationship with other believers. It's by this that It's by this you all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's this love for Christ, right, that that overflows into our love for other brothers and sisters in Christ. And so that's what a disciple makes sure does. And those three points, you have the the main bullet point on your handout. And there's a couple different words you could probably use to describe what Paul is doing here. Maybe like relational or focused. But the word that I think best describes it is discipleship is intentional. Discipleship is intentional. Paul prays for Timothy. He spends quality time with Timothy. He keeps up the relationship even from a distance. He's doing all these things because he wants to intentionally be a part of Timothy's life. He wants to, to be able to let God's spirit work through him so that he actually has a say in how Timothy grows and what Timothy does. And so that's the first main lesson that we learn from this relationship. But let's move on now to the second main lesson. And to do this, we're going to be jumping in uh, back at, to 1 Timothy in the first chapter. Um, And uh, I'm going to go through just a couple verses quickly, and I've got them on the screen again, so let me just read it. It said, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that teach no other doctrine, that they teach no other doctrine. And then drop down to verse 18. He says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. And then chapter 2 verse 1, therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And then finally uh, verse 12 of chapter 4, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So there's a lot more we could look at from these books, but I think you get the idea of what Paul is doing here, right? He's He's actually taking time to give instruction and counsel to Timothy. That's really kind of the heart of these, these books. He's, he's really wanting Timothy to know how God's Spirit's going to lead him, what that looks like. Speaking into these different situations of, of how Timothy can, can lead that flock. And you know, and Timothy has a, a huge responsibility, right? Because he's a young man, right? Or that's what Scripture calls him. He's now head of a church here in Ephesus, really shepherding this flock. And so Paul is giving him this relevant, really timely, specific truth for specific issues that he's facing in his ministry, in his life. And you know what? That's true for for believers here in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Actually, there are people here in this church who need you to speak this kind of truth into their life. God's word or God's spirit actually wants to to take you and use you in other people's life. There's actually something they'd be missing if you didn't actually come alongside them and really do what a brother and sister in Christ is meant to do, to really build them up, to really speak Christ to them. And so as uh, as Paul does this, as he exemplifies this, this really loving but firm, uh, firmly telling Timothy what he should do, breathed out by God, we get to then go and do the same thing. We get to take these words and say, this is what this means for you, <laughs> for you, this person. And so as Paul continues, I want you to drop down now to chapter four, a verse of uh, First Timothy. And this is the second thing that that Paul does. He says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. He's warning Timothy here that actually there are people that are teaching things that, that the demons actually want them to teach. He's actually warning Timothy that there are people that that could almost in some ways come in unnoticed, like sheep's and like wolves in sheep's clothing, right? And from those people, he says in, in chapter six, withdraw yourself, stay away from them, don't let them have their stay in the church, or don't let them have this type of influence. He's really warning Timothy here, he's, he's telling him to watch out, be on your guard. And so, the word that really sums up. What Paul is doing, he's instructing and counseling, he's warning, uh, he's doing lots of different things, but uh, the word that I want to give us is discipleship is edifying. Discipleship is edifying. It's meant to build up. It's meant to bring in this truth, whether it's instruction and counsel, whether it's warning, um, and sometimes that's going to look specific, right? (laughs) Because we live, each one of us, in a specific context. Timothy did, right, in first century um, in Turkey, in Greece, and then we live here, right, in 21st century America, and actually what we get to do is, is have specific truths that we say, hey, here's something, maybe here's a person that we need to warn someone about. Maybe here's a ministry that we want to just caution that person saying, hey, this is something that is not following scripture for these reasons. And so we get to come alongside, we get to edify these believers, really be that example to them of really speaking the truth in love. But I want us to turn now to the third and last, um, third and last main point that we can learn from, from Paul and Timothy's relationship, and it's in 2 Timothy 3. We'll look at a couple verses, but the first in 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 and 11. But just listen to what Paul says about how Timothy has followed him. Okay. It says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all and out of them all the Lord delivered me. So he says right at the top there, you have carefully followed me in all these things. In all these different lifestyle things, even even things that are trials, tribulations. And you know, that's really what you want to be able to say about the people God has given you to disciple, the people he's put in your life to really have a a unique bond with, a unique relationship with. You want to be able to say that they followed my lifestyle in every area. And, you know, that's kind of tough to say, right? Because what does that mean? Well, that means I need to be the example in every area. And that's not to say that, that we're going to be faultless or that we're going to just be, you know, literally like Jesus. You know, we're never going to be that. But, but we do want to have this type of relationship with Christ that says there's no area in my life I'm holding back. If you were to take a microscope and you were to look at every area, you would not find me holding on to certain things. You would not find me in the evening spending time doing things that I really know are not what I should be doing. In every area, you're actually letting God's word, letting uh, even the example of Christ speak into that situation. And I shared with the the teens this morning in in Sunday school how it really starts in your thoughts. It's really going to start the battle before it ever comes outward, before you ever uh, do something, you're going to have that thought first. Maybe it's a temptation. That thought is going to first tempt you before you ever do that sin. And you know what? The same thing is true <laughs> the other way around. Before you ever do something for Christ, you need to put in there, let God's spirit put in there His word and let him use that um, to really lead you in every area of life. And that's the kind of example Paul's been. He' set this godly example for, for Timothy to follow. And he's done it even as he's recognized that that he's the chief of sinners, even as Paul knows that he's not just perfection, but he has been able to to really say to really the whole, all of us even now, as he said to the Corinthian church, to imitate me as what? As I imitate Christ. That's what we want. That's a disciple maker. And then I'll have us turn to, uh, so Paul sets Timothy an example to follow, and then First Thessalonians three in verse one, he says, therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. So what's Paul doing here? He's actually sending Timothy out to now go make more disciples himself. Paul has actually reproduced himself. And that's the goal of discipleship, right? You've been intentional. You've seen how God has giving you a burden for somebody. You've followed up with it. You've spent time. You've prayed for them. Um, you've edified them, right? You haven't been just telling them random stuff that pops in your head. You've been telling them the truth from God's word, warning them, instructing them. And now God is actually going to take that person and he's going to use them to do the exact same thing. It's going to have this compounding effect. And that's really the the goal of discipleship. That's the goal of missions, right? That's why we're standing here because we want to be disciple-making Christians. That's Jesus' command to us. And you know what? There's actually a power that God is offering you right now. God is actually offering you a power because he's giving you all these helps. He's giving you this example and Paul to follow, right? Paul and Timothy. He's given us so much truth to learn from and to be taught by all throughout Scripture. He's given us this command, right, to to go make disciples. He's told us that Jesus himself is going to go with us. He's promised that the helper, the Holy Spirit, will empower us, He'll, he'll arm us to do this. And he's really given you every single thing you need to be a disciple-making Christian. There's nothing that we lack. And so I want to ask you, who are you discipling? (laughs) Who are you discipling because you have seen just what Jesus has done for you, and you want them to experience that themselves? You want to come alongside a fellow believer and you want to show them what it means to be in Christ and to live that out. And you know, I won't ask for a raise of hands, but maybe, maybe you need to think through if, if God, if no one, if God, if you don't have a burden like that, right? Maybe you're like, well, I don't really know who, or I just, you know, haven't ever really done that. Then maybe you just need to pray that God would do a work in your heart to really change your thinking, because because this is what the Spirit would have you do to have this life-on-life ministry. And so I have at the bottom of your handout this um, theme statement. Um, And then I'm actually going to give one quick uh, extra application, but following Jesus means helping others follow Jesus too. It's really pretty simple when you come down to it, right? Following Jesus means helping other people follow Jesus too. So I'm going to do something a little different just for maybe 30, 60 seconds. I actually want you to take out your phone. Okay, I hope that's okay. (laughs) Um, Go ahead and take out your phone or whatever. Maybe you like to take notes on something else, uh, on a notepad or something. Um, But I'd like you to take out your your phone or something like that. And I want you to just write down one name. Okay? Just write down one name of somebody that you think... Or maybe you need to take some time, but maybe somebody immediately pops to mind that is a, a younger believer or somebody that you've really just uh, thought about, right? And You're like, you know, I wonder how they're doing. I wonder if there's a way I could help them. Just write down one name of somebody that you could really do this for. And it doesn't have to look super intense or something. Um, I really, God really convicted of this, um, this truth of me maybe a few years ago. It was the first time that I ever really seriously thought about the fact that I had never discipled somebody. And so the hardest part, honestly, was that first point of contact. The hardest part was actually reaching out to them. And so maybe what you need to do is just write down a name and then ask God to really just help you to make that initial contact, to care enough about that person, to stop wasting time, to stop just being a, a lone ranger Christian, and really come alongside them and let Christ use you uh, just like he used Paul in Timothy's life. So I hope that we can really take these truths and, and learn from them and really apply them. And I'll ask uh, Pastor Fant to come up and close us out.